It's time for Ask an Alaskan, Alaska's own TV game show. And now your host, here's Tom Foote. and welcome to Delta Review. I'm your host, Barb Knapp. And my guest this evening is Dr. Glenn Olds, who is the president of Alaska Pacific University. And welcome. Well, it's good to be here. We have uh, quite a few students from this uh, area of the state, and I'm glad to be here in person. And I'm sure you'd like to get some more students. That's right. KYUK welcomes you to the start of the 1988 Kuskokwim 300 Sled Dog Race, coming to you live from Bethel, Alaska. And now, here's your K300 hosts. The mics aren't... Okay, okay. Good morning, Alaska. It's Bethel. The weather's not too bad for uh, dog racing, and if you like dog racing, you ought to be watching for the next hour and a half. We've got the start of the... 1988 Kuskokwim sled dog race. Chmai, and welcome back to In Your Ears for 50 Years. I'm Gabby Salgado. Last week, we looked at live TV news with Rhonda McBride, Rich Trotto, Adolph Lewis, and Elena miller Olron. This week, we're going to be taking a closer look at KYUK's original series and live programming. KYUK is the oldest bilingual, native-owned radio station in the country, and this year we are celebrating 50 years. Throughout the summer, we are taking a look at the people of KYUK that helped create the station. Before we get into the show, I just wanted to remind people to rate, review, and subscribe to this show and all other KYUK shows. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and NPR One. Earlier, we heard clips from Ask an Alaskan, Delta Review, and the 1988 K-300 start. These are just a few examples of local programming that KYUK was producing throughout the 70s and 80s. This week, I sat down with the original host of Ask an Alaskan, Tom Foote, to discuss his role in creating TV for KYUK. Yeah, my name is uh, Tom Foote, and... Uh... I, uh, I lived in Bethel from 75 to uh, 
to late 86. I was the town uh, public and university librarian, uh, along with other things, and, and uh, a principal teacher at, at, a, at, a, at the private school there. And now I'm down in Spokane on a little 10-acre farm that my wife and I own and uh, living, uh, living the good life. Tom came up to Alaska on the Husky Two with Bev Hoffman, John McDonald, and Rich Trotto. Like we heard in episode two and again in episode five, their goal was never to stay in Bethel. They wanted to come up for the summer, make some money, and leave. However, their summer adventure turned into something much more, and part of that was centered around the new radio station that welcomed volunteers, KYUK. Well, when we got into Bethel, by the end of the summer, we had realized, we realized that, I mean, it was just, number one, we had paid off our debts. We lived in, we lived out at the Fox Farm in tents for the three months of the summer. And finally, Bev's dad uh, gave us this house on the riverfront to live in for the winter, because we realized that it was just, I mean, it was just too good to leave, Bethel was. We couldn't go back to San Francisco. Too exciting. So by... I got a job, a pipeline job, straightening the pipeline, the sewer pipeline across the tundra. I then got a job at K, uh, KCC as, as maintenance. And then by, dis, by January of 1976, I got the job after, Be- after Beverly left the library, I got the job as librarian, public and university librarian. And at KYUK at that time, um, it was just at four years old. It was a it was an eclectic mix of Yupik and and Gussuk. We were all just young, dumb Gussucks because we didn't know anything about Bethel. However, the, the the television and radio station they were taking volunteers, so a bunch of us just volunteered. Alan Oxier, John McDonald, me. Um, Mike Martz, Tory Foot, um, and a bunch of us got involved with that station. And I was able to snag a Friday night, 10 to midnight radio station, uh, radio show. And this was in, this was in 76. And so I played, John McDonald also had a, a, a gig. He had a, he had a show as well. But I played a bunch of just Bay Area music, you know, especially the Grateful Dead, but all kinds of just an eclectic mix of music. And uh, I played a lot of Grateful Dead, you know, because I was I am was and still am kind of, a, you know, a, a deadhead. And so that's what I played for two hours. And I my persona was this kind of I mean, in 76, there were no FM stations around the country. They were all university called underground FM stations um, because there was no stereo radio. So I, my persona was the kind of this, you know, smooth, silky, deep voice, you know, you know, radio DJ. Now, you know, let's talk, let's talk about the dead. Yeah. Let's talk about that. You know, just some really fine, this, this next cut is just going to be it. But, uh, and so I would do that for a couple of hours and, and then uh, go home at midnight on Friday night and, you know, they said, I said, can I be a DJ? And they, and Peter Twitchell, who was head of, uh, head of it at that time, he said, uh, yeah, you know, sure. There were a couple glitches. I mean, because I was new to the control board and uh, the pots and, and, and the, all this kind of stuff, uh, the cart machines, 
every once in a while, I would make a mistake. And one time I made a mistake and with the mic on, I said, oh, damn. Well, I got a call from Peter right away. And Peter, you know, I, I answered and Peter said, Tom, we don't say, oh, damn, on the air. <laughs> and so the, I, I understood that. But I was after that, I was extremely careful about the on-air mic to make sure, you know, it was on and it was off if the, uh, if the, if the turntables were on. In the early 80s, KYUK staff and volunteers, including Tom, came together to create a game show. This game show was, at the time, the only homegrown game show in Alaska. This show was Ask an Alaskan. Ask an Alaskan was a Alaska trivia uh, game show, sort of along the same lines of Jeopardy. A bunch of people got together, um, Tori, Alan Oxier, Peter Twitchell, John McDonald, Mike Martz, I was in there a little bit, and they and they got together and they said, "Let's do, let's do a, a television game show from Bethel." There were only four PBS or a public, yeah, um, uh, NPR PBS stations in the state. Um, so let's do a let's do a show, and so we had planning meetings. We looked at it and we found we found a, a program out of Maine called "So You Think You Know Maine." And it was that was the basis, from what I understand or remember, that was the basis for the structure of Ask an Alaskan. Now, Alaskan, Alaskan, again, it was just an Alaska trivia, trivia show, uh, television show, half hour long, unscripted, live, the first year with no audience. The second year, we had a live audience out in the studio. And it was crewed by um, Alexi Isaac. Peter Twitchell, John McDonald, um, me, Tori, all these people were in charge of it. I was a volunteer. They asked me if I wanted to host it because they knew me and I was loud and, and, and I could handle myself well, they thought. So we put together this show and rolled it out every Tuesday night for half an hour. I think our first show was in October of 1982. And, uh, and it was an instant hit. Uh, we broadcast just to the, the broadcast area around Bethel. And so that show, that, you know, that season went on. Everyone loved it. We started, <clears throat> we started getting, there were three contestants. Our first scoreboard was a hand reaching over a divider in the back, flipping the scores. There was a box in the middle of the set with little sleeves on it. And that contained the questions with, you know, various subject headings. So the three contestants would, uh, would say, you know, I would introduce them, you know, for first of the show. Let me, let me a little aside here. I, while I've always lived loud and seemed supremely self-confident in some ways, um, I get terrible stage fright. And so waiting off camera behind the curtains for the intro music to roll, I would, I would, I just had butterflies. I mean, I would go, no, I can't do the show tonight. I, I, I can't do this because I was almost sick to my stomach, but I would check everything on my persona 15 times to make sure that everything was set. And so when the intro music rolled and I walked through the curtains, I completely changed. And I just into this spontaneous unscripted, uh, television game show host persona and so i would uh so i would uh, uh i would introduce the guests 
And after a while, we started inviting groups of guests, like three lawyers or three doctors or three nurses to come. And people were lining up to get on this show. It was a huge success. Alaska's first game show. Now your host, here's Tom Foote. And good evening, good evening. Hey, what's going on back there? Oh, God, good evening. Welcome. Welcome to Ask and Alaska. Alaska's most popular game show where we test contestants' uh, knowledge of Alaska and they can win some prizes and we test your knowledge too. Welcome to another edition of Ask and Alaska. We've got a nice studio audience here, some three new contestants and lots of new questions to test their knowledge, lots of things going on. So uh, we went along and uh, and did that, did that series. Well, the next year, Alaska Airlines picked it up as a sponsor. And also the four, I think three of the four, or two, or two other, or three other PBS stations in the state decided they would air the show. As I remember, I don't know if it was aired live I think it was uh, aired live and in Fairbanks and Anchorage and perhaps in Juneau. I'm not sure. And so they picked up the show. So it went statewide. And so with it going statewide, we decided, well, we will uh, then we'll have at the end of the at the end of the season, we'll have a contest to bring in one person from each of those three other tele PBS stations, fly them out to Bethel for a statewide show. Also the second season, we got a live audience in the studio, just 15 feet away from me on, on the, on the, on the set riser, you know, with the whole set there. And there were maybe 25 people, 25 chairs out there and people out there. And, on the studio, on the studio floor, there were a couple of monitors. One was an on-air monitor, what was going out to the world, and one was a studio monitor what was, that showed what, what the next shot was going to be. Two cameras, all the operators. Alan Oxier was the floor manager. Tori was in as a, a control room. She was there. John was the overall um, manager of the show. And, uh, and so, you know, that's, it, that, that's how it went. It was just this, it was the ultimate volunteer opportunity. I mean, there were no, you know, I was just able to talk, which I did well, and also tell a few jokes once in a while, which I did. My hair was kind of long, and um, it was a very casual affair. Yet, as I go back to tele radio, it was, in many ways, very tightly controlled. John was a very good a uh, very good manager in the control room. Tori was a good manager. Alan Oxier as floor manager, he was he was sharp. We were all sharp, you know, very controlled, of course, except me. But uh, but you know, so it was it was a good tight crew. All the uh, all the UPIC volunteers and UPIC workers and stuff. They everyone was learning, you know, this kind of thing, and everyone was a very professional. Ask an Alaskan wasn't the only program being produced by KYUK. We had shows that ranged from Yupik language instruction to cartoons on Saturdays featuring Eric and Marvin the puppets to Tundra Terra Theater with Horrible Clyde. 
This was the golden age of KYUK television. Well, in 75, after 75, after, well, 70, from 76 on, uh, that, that whole volunteer crew that was at the station, but also the people, the, the people who worked at the station, they started, they became in, instrumental in producing some award-winning, nationally and internationally award-winning documentaries about Yupik culture. It, was, it became a true force in the community and in that region, highlighting dance and language and people. And it was an incredible thing um, for such a small station. We had one inch reel to reel, by the way, uh, tape players that we recorded on. And then we advanced up to three quarter inch, um, three quarter inch uh, cartridges, you know, the tape, uh, three quarter inch. Um, Oh crap! What, what was that called? Anyway, three-quarter inch, real, not well, real to real, but also the carts that you pop into into players now, and uh, and so, but but it took off from there. For me personally, I was then able to be a co-host on a English language instruction program that was written and directed and, and, and hosted by Mary Whitaker, if you know that name, and who lives in town, Bill Eisenbart and Mary Whitaker were, you know, that kind of stuff, Mary Whitaker, I was a puppet. And so we had a puppet show and she would, she would, uh, she would, uh, we would, it was an English language instruction. And then John McDonald and I, on Saturdays, because we had similar taste in cartoons, on Saturday mornings from nine in the morning until I think 11 or 12, we hosted a Warner Brothers cartoon puppet show. Hey, here we are at the KYUK TV auction. As you can see, they have lots of nifty things to auction off. Now, all you have to do is pick the item and call in a bid. We got, we got sewing machines over there and we got telephones and we got all kinds of things and we got and it was just that Warner Brothers cartoons, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, all those uh, Yosemite Sam, all those old cartoons. Two of us had puppets, a little monitor behind us, us behind a stage that hid us, and uh, we our, our our puppets were up, you know, up in the air and this kind of thing. And we would interact with uh, our puppets would interact and, and do funny things, and then introduce a cartoon. And then, you know, sit back and wait for the cartoon to be over. So we had the Saturday morning cartoon show. So these are the kinds of opportunities that were available, you know, in the late 70s for, for us, for people who were interested in, you know, exploring, you know, exploring limits, exploring uh, capabilities and stuff. And it was this KYUK that just opened up to us and, uh, and, it was, it was truly an amazing time. It was a window of opportunity that was just incredible. Of all the programs and specials produced at the time, one of the most talked about was always the KYUK live TV fundraiser. Arguably, the one program that helped make all the other programs possible. Welcome to KYUK's 1982 membership drive. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is, of course, Friday the 13th. Good evening. I'm Jerry Brigham, General Manager of KYUK. Good evening. 
I'm John McDonald, General Manager of KYUK. And this is our fundraiser. Your opportunity to join us here at KYUK for the annual fundraiser. Director and cameraman Rich Trotto remembers the creative and fun energy of the KYUK fundraisers. They were cutting edge and uniquely local. I think one of the best things about um, KYK during the time I was there were our live fundraisers. Um, I am um, over the years. I had you know I went to some um, conferences you know with other PBS stations. We went to one in Oregon, and um, I, I was down in Las Vegas for the uh, NAB, uh, the National Broadcasters Convention. Um, and um, and I met other um, you know other people that worked for PBS stations around the country, and they had nothing like we had. Nobody had anything like we had. Um, I would tell them about it, and they would just be like, "What? You do, you do live TV for what <laughs> ten hours in two days or something like that?" And, um, but it was it, it was really I mean it was really especially the first one now, the first one was um, it was kind of like you know we planned it to be like um, the ones we had seen in the lower forty eight you know so we had some shows on we had some movies on and some shows and then in between we would do the pledge breaks well someone and I, my memory is that somebody from um, from the Yukon, from St. Mary's, I think, um, made a pledge, and they challenged their relatives on the on the Kuskokwim to to match their pledge. Well, that just started just a whole torrent of people calling in, and you know, calling out their relatives and saying, you know, and challenging them. And all of a sudden, we had this whole thing happening that we didn't even plan. And and then on top of it, um, somebody, I forgot who it was, brought in some um, smoked uh, salmon. And they said that you know, they would um, give the smoked salmon for you know, the first pledge of $50 or whatever it was. And so that started the thing with people bringing stuff down to the station. And all of a sudden, we were like not showing any programs anymore. We we were just going back and forth from the from the TV from the studio to the newsroom, and the newsroom was where it was all happening because that's where people were coming in and calling and making pledges, and um, and so it just really took off by itself. I mean, you know, like it was 180 degrees from what we had planned. <laughs> But we just went with it, and and it was it was just fun. And every you know, I I just think every year was great for people to be able to you know to tell us how they appreciated how much they appreciated the station. Tom recalls the impromptu approach of the fundraisers that kept them on their toes. Generous donors and the supportive community helped make the KYUK fundraisers special. It was a big party, kind of, again, I go back to control, yet a controlled chaos. Um, we, I never, as host, you know, and there was a co-host once in a while, but as host, I mean, they asked, you know, they asked, can you do this for, you know, we've got a six-hour window for the game, for this uh, fundraiser. You know, is that okay with you? 
And I would answer, oh, only six, you know, because I could, I, I could just go on. So we never in some, we, we had a general outline for the fundraiser structure, when it would start, when it would end, breaks, um, some general ideas about talent, people who wanted to come in. And, um, and there was the, Lucy Whitman sat on the outside at the, at the desk of KYUK and she would take calls. Lucy Whitman would sit there. She would then transfer them into us, the control room. Control might, might put them in touch with me, but I always knew. I mean, we didn't really have, I didn't have headphones on. There were no wireless earbuds or anything like that. Um, the, it, there was the crew, you know, and then the floor manager, typically Alan Knox here, who would manage the whole thing. And he would, you know, get my attention or hold up a sign or something like that. And, uh, and occasionally, occasionally I would get a note, so-and-so and so-and-so wants to come in and play, uh, play, uh, um, play his guitar. And we'd say, sure. And so he's in the outer room with Lucy and Lucy sends him in <laughs> into, into the floor. And so we all adjust. We all take time. The structure of the of the fundraiser was so loose. Um, I would show the various prizes that people would get. No, excuse me. They weren't prizes for donations. They were, I forget what we called them, but we couldn't associate the gift with the donation. You still can't, I don't think. But anyway, and so, I mean, we had all kinds of stuff donated from local businesses in town. And we would give run, running totals of what our totals were at some point. Um, if we got a big gift, it was like, whoa, stop the press. You know, here's, you know, from, from Swanson's, here's this, uh, this big check from Swanson's. But <clears throat> people would drop in and, and they would, they would, they would want to perform. Got a friend of Gone River. Went to see him, we had some fun. I blinked once and it was strong. Airplane moving across the road. On the freight trail in the town. Not knowing where I'm I'm down on the Cuscoquin. When the light comes running in. That's what the draw was. That's why they were, we had the highest, at, at one point, we had the highest per capita, per capita donation amounts of any PBS station in the country with our fundraiser. Um, it was outrageous, to, you know, and, and that funded everything else. But um, we would just haul in, we would haul in the money. People were constantly calling, wanting to come in and, uh, and sing dance, perform. Um, there was a group of fiddle players who were famous around Bethel. I forget their name, but it was an older guy and two others, two other, three older guys. And um, they played country music, you know, bluegrass and stuff. And so they, they would come in and they were very popular. And so we had huge uh, audience, I guess, you know, we didn't really count audience ratings, but um, 
If they had, we would have had huge ratings for this Saturday night fundraiser. Boom. If everyone tuned into that. And, uh, you know, again, I mean, this was, you know, this was television and not a, I don't know how many televisions there were in the village, in some of the smaller villages. Typically there was a television set in the community hall, you know, or something or in the school or something like that. But, um, and for me personally, it was, it was just time to play. I mean, I was in hog heaven. I was, you know, no script. Um, I, I knew how to do it. I knew what I could say. I knew I, what I couldn't say. I knew how to segue into things. I learned, this was all for learned. I learned all this doing it. Segue into the next act, segue into the next segment. Tom grew to be incredibly comfortable on live television and came to expect those inevitable and exciting surprises. But sometimes the surprises came from the KYUK crew. And I have to give you a little anecdote about how I learned to be flexible. And it occurred on, on uh, Ask an Alaskan set. The second year that we, we, we that the season went on, we went on live. Uh, the second year we had with this live audience, I was on stage, you know, doing the show, something like this. I had gone, I'd come on stage from off curtain, you know, after checking myself 15 times and make sure everything was all right. And I was presentable. I was there, you know, doing my thing with, you know, w- with the show. And Alan Oxier, the floor manager, holds up a sign. The sign says, your fly is unzipped. Well, there was part of me that knew it wasn't. I had checked it five times. But at the same time, there was a live audience 15 feet away from me. So I couldn't just look down at my zipper. So I had to watch the monitor because I didn't want to check it while we were broadcasting to the outer world. I was less concerned about the audience, but even then, I didn't want to be too obvious about this. So as when, when that switched, when the camera switched away from live broadcast <coughs> to the studio monitor, I just, you can't see me, but I, you know, I, I kind of wiped my brow and, and, and looked down, you know, in, in a sweeping motion so I could catch my, you know, catch my, my zipper not an obvious move to check my zipper, but just a passing glance, you know, and of course the crew, the camera crew, everyone on the floor was just rolling. (laughs) They thought they had me. And uh, being the consummate professional I was by the end of the, by the second year of the show, um, they didn't, I just, you know, I scanned it. It was zipped up. Everything was good. And I kept on, you know, just rolling on with the show. So with a fundraiser, it was even more, it was in some ways, it was even less structured. Um, and anything could happen. Absolutely anything could happen. So the whole crew in the control room, on the floor, you know, the talent, all of us, excuse me, we had to be, we had to be exceptionally flexible. Uh, and of course, consummate professionals at all times. Um, but uh, it was a it was it was a it was a loose time, yet we all followed FCC rules. I mean that was that was absolutely we just couldn't we couldn't jeopardize KYUK by not being uh, you know spot on with with rules and regulations and stuff. It was an incredible time, incredible window of oper- of time. I I, I just I, I live it. I, I relive it. I love it. I, I think 
besides just living in Bethel in general and the joy I got from doing that and how much I learned there. And, and, and in Bethel is when I became a person. Um, I was, I was, you know, it was an amazing time. I, I tell people, they say, Oh, where are you from? And I say, I'm from Bethel because that's where I grew up. I wasn't born there. I wasn't born in Bethel, but I did become in, in from what I understand of the Yupik term, a person. This episode of In Your Ears for 50 Years was hosted by Gabby Salgado. Producers for this show are Kristen Hall and Gabby Salgado. The theme music was performed by Bethy Whalen, Lisa Whalen, and Andy Angsman of the band Blue Whalen. Join us next week when we sit down with former KYUK interns Kaylee King and Matt Fabian. Look for a Uketune episode coming out next week with Ruth Yvonne and Peter Twitchell where they will talk about fundraisers and a punksit, the Yupik game show. <laughs>